This night's from Trucker's Weather Forecast. The service is WRBA and that's the Virginia. And we are at uh, 19 to the hour. So let's do this. We'll come back with some regional weather here in a little bit. Dear Kitchen Display Center. Hello? Anybody hear me? All right, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Oh, man. They haven't changed that jingle yet. <laughs> Stereophonic. What is that? <laughs> Hello, Richmond. Again. The best personalities, like Alden Aero. I would suggest you do not try this with your records. Now, who's this on the phone? Thomas. Thomas what? Haskins. Thomas, where are you from? What do you want to hear tonight? 345-WRXL. Because good friends share. You are listening to live radio, AM 1140, WRVA Richmond. So the next time you turn on the radio, it'll make you happy. Richmond's number one. Number one. We're making yeah, a psychedelic 60s. <laughs> WDC operates at a power of 100 watts from an antenna located high atop the Fine Arts Building, located on the University of Richmond campus. Tune in and turn on the time tunnel. We will be back on the air soon and can continue to take your request at 345-0106. It's Y101, Richmond's new rock. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. I'm just kidding. What we're going to do right here is yeah. go back. We're going to go back. <laughs> Way back. Yeah, back why not? Time. How far back? When the only people that existed were troglodytes. We now conclude our broadcast day, but please join us at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning for another day of your favorite music on The Address of the Stars. Let's take the average caveman at home, listening to his stereo. I'm pretty sure that I had my midlife crisis in a 48-hour window. You know, the Hollywood midlife crisis, guy gets a divorce, guy buys a sports car, guy dates a younger woman, then he has all these regrets about getting a divorce, and the sports car gets rain in it, and the girlfriend's dumb, and blah, 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 blah. Not how mine went at all. My name is Chris Padgett. This is my podcast, Give Me Radio or Give Me Death, my love letter to the Richmond radio I grew up listening to. And you're probably wondering, how in the hell is he going to tie midlife crisis conversation into a podcast about Richmond radio? Just give me a second. So my midlife crisis, I literally think, happened over the course of basically a weekend. And it ended ugly. And it ultimately did end in divorce. And I didn't buy a sports car. I got a crossover. And I did get a hot girlfriend, but she's age-appropriate. She's six months younger than I am. Um, but that actual like midlife crisis really happened in like a 48-hour window, essentially over a weekend. And it was not great. And... <laughs> The demographics of this podcast clearly indicate that most of you have probably already been through your midlife crisis. Because, <laughs> again, lots of old white guys. But I digress. In the course of dealing with that and then getting older and looking back on your life, I'm, I'm only 47. It's not like I'm on death's door or anything. But you know how it is. You start to reflect and you start to think back and you think back on regrets. And some people say, you know, oh, I live without regrets. No, yeah, you do. You do. Everybody has regrets. Whether it's, ah, I should have said this thing to that guy because he was a jerk, or, you know, I should have done this instead of that because then I'd be here today. We all have regrets, and you're lying to yourself. 
But certain things pop up every now and then. Like, ah, God, I wish I had done that. And a big regret in my life, and it spans out over like a 10-year period, is I wish that this version of me now, this 47-year-old father of two kids, um, you know, somewhat successful version of me, was the one that was on the radio then. This version of me is the one that was in that 27-year-old idiot's body saying, you know, go home from this concert. You have to be up at 350. Or stay at this concert longer because you're 27 and this is fun. Or would have said no to people or said yes to other people. Would have stood up for himself a little bit more. Would have actually prepared for interviews with artists instead of just winging it every time. (laughs) So um, what does your band name mean? Oh, God. Like, really? How many comedians did did I not prepare for that in hindsight, I wish I had. Oh, I mean, I sat in a room with Robert Klein for like 45 minutes and didn't once ask him about George Carlin, Richard Pryor. I mean, what are you doing? I sat in a room for an hour with Chubby Checker. Yeah, that Chubby Checker. And didn't once ask him what it felt like to knock the Beatles out of the number one spot. What it felt like to have his life completely ruined by the record industry. Ah, just like, people live with regrets. You have regrets. And one of them came up today in my conversation with today's guest, Sherry Blanks. You know her as Sherry Blanks. She's Sherry McCafferty now. And the regret really ultimately became was, why didn't we work together? She was at B103, which is on the other side of the wall from our radio station, Y101, WDYL. And she was, you know, like the ray of sunshine at B103. And everybody loved Sherry. And we all knew, like, she was in a rock band. She, you know, she was a musician. You know, she was a rock chick. She just happened to work at B103. Why did we not bring Sherry over to Y101? Oh, my God. It would have been so good. I'm so mad right now. (laughs) Not because of Sherry, but, you know, regret. Sherry is still wonderful. Uh, We had a great conversation, and I started her out with the same question that I ask everyone at the beginning of these conversations, once they get their computer stuff figured out. Do you remember your first air shift? Uh, It was an overnight shift and it was, I know the month, it was March of 97. It was overnight. Yeah. And honestly, it didn't last long because the plan was to remove the wonderful girl who was doing middays at the time and put me in her slot. She was beloved. She's still on the air in Richmond. And um, things did not go well with some of the listeners for a while there. Yeah. So, but I do remember, I think I only, I went right into it doing overnights for maybe, maybe a week. It wasn't even, but like a week. And then, oh, you're going to be on at 10 AM now. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, it was my first, (laughs) I had no idea. I answered, Charlie, I got this job from the Richmond times dispatch when the paper still got you jobs and showed up in my nineties power suit, batted my lashes. And he goes, have you ever been in radio before? No, but I guess I was just such a smart ass that he said, Oh, this could work. And they literally hired me that day 
All right, so wait a minute. There's a lot to unpack here. All right, so that's really true. Like I had no idea what I was doing. As you know, when you worked with me, I had no clue what I was doing. I would run my mouth and get on a plane to come to New York, and that was that was my life. Well, let's start. So let's start with the classified ad. Then, so you actually you answered a classified ad for a radio gig. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know there was such a thing back in the stone ages. Yeah. And I really didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I want to do something new. I mean, it was 97. I had, you know, already before. What had you been doing? Um, touring with my band at the time we were going all over the place, taking months off and just hitting the road. And that's what I, that's what I was doing. It was kind of paying a little bit of the bills, but with a couple of roommates. So, um, but before that, like you, I went to VCU and I had a state job. I was, you know, in between like playing with a band, I had a day job and got my degree from there. Like I think you did as well. I didn't get my degree, but. <laughs> Close enough. Right? Yeah. You were a mass com, right? That was your mass. Yeah. I mean, I got a yeah, full-time yeah. radio job two years in and I was like, well, why am I going to spend more of my parents' money on this when I already I have I, the job, right? I found that out today when I listened to one of your other podcasts. So yeah, but yeah, back in the day, people, when there were newspapers, they had ads for things like the, the village voice was how I got a lot of my um, auditions up in New York for gigs. And I got a, one of my biggest gigs from an ad in the village voice playing bass with Muzz Gillings from Living Color. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. those, it was really cool then, you know? All right. So you answered this ad, you go in, you bat your eyelashes at the program director. <laughs> really true. And, um, you said that the, the plan was to replace the woman that was on in middays. Did, did the batting of the eyelashes have to do with that? Or was there a, was the, were they no, hiring to replace that person? They were hiring to replace okay. her. Um, yeah, that was the plan. She and I were still actually really good friends, but that, that was the plan. And, yeah. you know, as you know, that happens and you sure. don't know that you're part of it until you're, you're doing it. But so um, they threw you on the overnight to get your feet wet basically. Right away. And, you know, yeah. Like you said, you had a couple shows at that one station or something you said earlier today when I listened to you. You said you just had a few shows and then you were, Charlie, let's get you a show. You're on the air. Oh, yeah. I was doing like, I was doing fake radio at the VCU radio station, which (laughs) wasn't even a radio radio. station. It was like a, you know, (laughs) carrier current through Rhodes Hall or whatever. Like that didn't count. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I'm working in the same office complex as my dad. And I'm like, what the hell happened here? (laughs) But it's the most fun when it doesn't count. You can just do what you want to do. That's when it was really fun when, you know, some of the freedom. A hundred percent. So a week later, you're doing middays. Middays. Yeah. Oh my God. Real to real. Like, but he wouldn't, he really, um, he wouldn't let me say too much. He's like, just don't say a lot. But people were calling all day going, where's blah, blah, blah. Where's blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like, I'm so sorry. I just was apologizing <laughs> to all of Richmond going, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so sorry. This is happening. And then he, the guy at the time, still friends with him too. And sure. he would say, don't, uh, don't say anything. Well, then unfortunately, one of the biggest at the time world events happened where Diana passed away. Uh... And at the hotline, as you know, we had hotlines ringing, 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 ringing. Why are you just saying anything? I said, you told me I couldn't God, say don't anything. Don't say anything. Yeah. Like Princess Diana passed away, but you told me not to say anything. So, oh, well, I learned my lesson after that. He let me speak a little bit more. And How long before you felt any kind of confident or comfortable or like you knew what you were doing? You know, honestly, like technically, I still never felt that towards the very end because it was changing so much. So Mm -hmm. 11 years later, um, I felt like 
I had things to say and I was funny enough. I think now if I went back and did it, I would try and be funnier than I was and have more personality like that, you know? Um, but technically, no, I still honestly, to this day, will have like that, you wore your pajamas to school nightmare about leaving <laughs> the um, EAS running and John Bennett yelling at me, like, you know, and just everything going off like crazy in the station and, you know, getting yelled at. So that I still, to this day, <laughs> Well, you came nightmares. in. You came in right at that transition from you were started at CDs and you ended up, you know, all computers all the time. Yeah, and for me, like it was supposed to be like easier for everybody. I think, as you know, but like you were talking about on one of your interviews, like splicing the real, and you had to get okay. the guy to come help you. Oh my God, Charlie! Like real, real stuff. It was crazy. And then you'd pray for for me at least for fog had to be on every hour for eight minutes. So you could get a breather. But. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, so when it went over to the, all the computer stuff at first, it was a little challenging because every single one was different. And like my husband, will tell you now, like every time before we got kind of situated where we are now with a car, we'd get a rental car and I'm like, they're all computerized now. And I'm like, you know, my brain, this is like your wife having to learn a new computer every time we press start. And it was like that back then. So I would enlist John Barry, your dear buddy, you know, John, yeah. Uh, to help me with this stuff. And I'm like, you really need to help me. I'd have my little pen and paper. You need to help me out. And he would be on step 10 while I was still like writing down step one. And he would right. skip over two through nine and go right to 10. I'm like, I know you're doing John Barry tech speak, but stop, take a breath. Yeah. I need help with this. So um, I think one of the funniest technical glitches that I ever had, oh my God, it was hysterical. So for voice tracking, which I guess we'll get to later on when we started kind of pre-recording some things, the letter that you would hit to voice track was V. So they'd have me in the other room. I was, I think on maybe two or three stations at the time. So that's what was going on. And Dick Hungate, our pal was doing middays in the other room. And I guess I had it. So it was maybe a live feed on <laughs> during his oh, show. No. Charlie, Charlie. Oh my God. You've never seen this man react this way. I so <laughs> the hallway on the way to the station was yeah. right by where I was recording. And I had my headphones on, la la la. And I kept hitting V for voice track. V, V. And I'm like, why isn't this working? V, V, V. It was firing off Van Halen sweepers during his show live and he was losing it. Oh, and he was running no. up and down the hall. <laughs> he had his it's on his head. He was freaking out. And he's like trying to figure out where it was coming from. Where is this Van Halen stuff coming from? And it was me just like, la la la, V. Uh, v. v Why isn't it working? The planet plays the most Van Halen. Dick is oh, losing it. He's no. To this day, it's one of my best pranks, though. And maybe he's, <laughs> maybe he's listening. You never know. So once I knew that I was doing it, I was like, oh, heck yeah, V, oh, V, yeah. V. Hey, if you go in that room and push V, Dick will lose his mind. <laughs> Everybody was dying. Steve Forrest, all the guys were like, yes. That's amazing. So you Back start out days. doing middays, like, like fresh as lettuce. And then <laughs> what... Did you move around from station to station? It it sounds kind of like you you had a pretty compressed radio life. No, they didn't move me around um too much. I think for um for the majority of it, it was 
103.7 on the dial that changed names quite a bit. Yeah. Um, one period towards the end, it went light, which Charlie that killed me, you know, I'm a rocker to the core and, yeah. you know, matchbox 20 every hour was like, are you going to try and make me kill myself? I was crazy. So, but, so but you were then, B103, um, whatever it was the whole time. Yeah. But then actually for a stint there, I think I was off of that and they had me on 96.5, which I loved. That was mm. so much more of my personality. I mean, the people that would come out were, you know, majority of them were guys. It was, you know, NASCAR wrestling, that kind of, kind of vibe. And that was way more me than the other station. So, which yeah. I really appreciate all of it. I really, really do. But the planet let me kind of be more myself for a while there. And that was middays um, as well. So started yeah. out evenings, I think there, and then did middays there. So what do you think it is about the midday slot and having a female voice there? Cause that seems to be like, well, you got a lady on the staff, put her in middays. I know. I actually wonder why that is because me personally, I've always liked to, to listen to men more. I mean, I know that sounds, I don't know how that sounds coming from a girl. I've always liked to listen to men more. I've liked male rock bands more, even though I was a girl in a rock band, it's just something, something about it. I, I, I think, um, sometimes if you try to maybe inflect too much personality as a female, it might get annoying to people. I know I annoy the crap out of some people out there. I mean, I thought I was probably being a funny DJ at the time, but I'm sure like people walking around Petco working with B103 on or like, please shut her up, play more Creed, get her off the air. Yeah. <laughs> please play, play more Dave Matthews, shut her up. Right. <laughs> so you were middays at B, you were middays at 96.5 The Planet. And you were, and you did nights there for a little bit too. Tonight for a bit. It was Lark Logan. Uh, she was on the afternoon drive shift three to okay. seven. Yeah. And I think Dick was still doing middays there. So, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And early on, there was a guy, uh, Gary Michaels, who I think is doing comedy now in um, Tennessee or something. So it was a really, it was a good, uh, good crew of, of people over there. So with the best bosses ever, they had um, actually Henry the Bull Del Toro came up on weekends to work. Do you remember Henry? No. He's, he's since passed away, but he was one of the guys I was trying to find this for you, but he was big in Virginia beach and we had him coming up on weekends to work. Um, and he was the guy that would pull pranks like Mount Trashmore is on fire or whatever at Virginia beach and have, huh. he had a big morning show down there and we had him come up for a bit too, but just a great crew of people, as you know. Yeah. 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 You're still was, friends with yeah. your buddies. You guys are like, that's, I think that's one of the best things for you. Is yeah, your crew sure. of guys that you've had for so long, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I got out of radio when I did was, you know, that was kind of peak, like working with my best buds, you know, and I'm like, it's not mm -hmm. going to get any better than this. So I'm going to It's move not. On. I know. Like the parties we had and we're still like Leslie Taylor and Steve Forrest. They still get handwritten birthday cards from me and Kyla. Yeah. Yeah. And Steve is still in my phone to this day as my work hub. We're husbands. <laughs> it's just, it was such a great crew back then. I mean, that's the best takeaway for me, at least. I don't know if that sounds like being like a chick that your best takeaway from your job was your friends, but I mean, we're yeah. still friends to this day and I hadn't been there since 2008, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that was, that's, uh, you know, that doesn't sound like a chick at all. Cause that's exactly my takeaway too was, you know, I mean, you, you remember, you know, like that hallway that we worked in was, oh my gosh. it was romper room. It was animal house. It was porkies. I mean, it was just like, 
Ridiculous. All of it. And that, then our friend Jenny started working at B103, like doing promotions. And we'd have Jenny from the block parties. And we literally would bring in beer and drinks and have block parties in the hallway. And I don't think that lasted too long. But <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was so much fun. And, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, you were so there. Was, so was the entirety of your radio career at Moorfield Park Drive, like once that was done, that was it? No, we were at the Boulders first. Um, B103 oh, so you started was, over at the Boulders. At the Boulders, yeah. Oh, Ninety. Mm-hmm. Okay. Started at the Boulders, yeah. Um, Mad Dog, you know, helped me get my feet wet on his show for a bit. That, but that wasn't me doing anything other than just, you know, fussing at him. I had no idea about any kind of gear or equipment or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we were at um, the Boulders for for a bit, and then Moorfield was the main hub for gotcha. years after that. Yeah. So yeah. What about you? Uh oh, geez. Um, were you ever at, were you at the Boulders too? Briefly, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was in that building um, at the tail end of the existence of EGO. So let's rewind a little bit. So prior to you answering, I'm still I can't believe there was a <laughs> classified ad for a radio station. Uh, <laughs> was so was that your first exposure to being on the radio other than being a musician was hanging out with Mad Dog during, during yeah, the actually, Outer Limits? Kind of about the same time that Mad Dog had me on doing that. I was playing in my bands at the time and there was another band guy in town named Bert Morgan and Bert had um, you know, big biker guy Bert had gotten into doing some that was loud like announcer wrestling kind of radio commercials <laughs> like car dealer ads and he had that yep. voice. Well, he goes, we have, they keep making me go to XL 102 or asking me to go to XL 102 and do commercials. And they have one for daddy rabbits, the strip club. He said, oh but God. they want a girl. He goes, do you think you could come and like talk like a stripper? No, I'll try my best. So sure. for a while there, um, that was probably the first commercial I ever did. I think I still have it on a cassette somewhere in a yeah. shoebox of me doing Come get some legs and eggs at Daddy Rabbit's for breakfast. It really was that, Charlie. Legs and eggs. That's amazing. I completely forgot about Daddy Rabbit's. Legs and eggs at Daddy oh, Rabbit's. So gross. you know, making my making my dad proud there. Um. So you did this stuff with Mad Dog, and what was the gap between working with Mad Dog and then being and then doing that overnight into middays? You know, with, you, you just kind of came and went with Mad Dog and didn't no, really I asked him that today. And he, I, I asked him that today. Um, I said, what was the year? And he, you know, of course, you can't pinpoint anything back then. And he gave me like a four year time span. I said, no, <laughs> like a specific <laughs> narrow it down. He's like, he like, it was between this. And I go, everything yeah. was between <laughs> between that time span. So so there had um, to have been there had because if you answered that classified ad in 97, there had to have been a year, a couple of year gap, because I think. Yeah, he said he thought it was between 94, 95. Yeah, like right around there. Yeah, Yeah. that's what he said, something like that. So, and that was only, I think you remember this better than me. Wasn't that only on Sunday nights? I think it was like a Sunday night Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Special show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when he would let me come in there and do that with him, I I would. It was a great time. Did you grow up in, you didn't grow up in Richmond? Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. Dad's still there. Dad's in the fan. He's all hip no and cool, walking, walking around the fan, going to Cuba Cuba. Hey, Manny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. He's still there. I'll see him this weekend, actually, for his for his 87th. So, yeah. Well, still oh, there. wow. Yeah. What did you grow up listening to? What, what was what were your radio? What were your Richmond radio stations when you were a kid? 
Q94 was the one yeah. kind of when I was coming along. I don't know about you, but that's when I know you're like probably you're, you're way younger than me, but that was the one that was kind of big back then. But then um, I think more teen years when I knew XL had more of the rock, that's what I was listening to was 102. But yeah. I mean, music was such a huge part of our family. Like the Tooth Fairy would leave me like full on vinyl Elvis albums, like from the Tooth Fairy. So, <laughs> and I was playing guitar at four. So, I mean, were it, your parents musicians? My mom like played the violin, but she really, she, man, Charlie, she would take me to so many rock shows. We were like up and down the coast all the time. I mean, she was just as much into it as I was. I mean, Billy Idol licked her face at Innsbruck and I was like, Billy Idol, stop licking my mom. And I've got like a picture (laughs) of him licking my mom and she liked it just as much as I did. So it was more her, um, kind of pushing that, but she was always like, try and have a backup plan, you know, Mm. have a backup plan for your running up and down the coast with your guitar, have, you know something that you can kind of fall back on. So, so when did you get out and start hitting the road as a musician? Charlie? Oh my gosh. I got out of school early. I graduated early. I, my first tour, I don't know if you remember the Connells at all from North Carolina. I'm Facebook friends with Peel. Peel is awesome. I was on the the road with them at at 16. We were playing, we were all over with Mike Connell. We played rockets. We played just all up and down with them. They were our first kind of like tour and i had a guy um that did lights for a local band called 1010 he worked for the good guys um and he ended up kind of being a little bit of a bodyguard slash lighting guy to me on the road because we ended up booking all these parties on the weekends at like longwood and the colleges and they would pay crazy and i was 16 oh so um that was just that was going on and were you the only lady in the band yep of course and we actually all had an apartment on um Floyd Avenue. It was a pink house on Floyd, and they would say, "Come by the Pink Floyd." <laughs> Parties oh. at Pink Floyd. <laughs> so we lived together and we played together. Um, we played the Jade Elephant. We played all the little Bart yeah. Twisters, all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that was Holy a big crap. That's big wild. part of life there. Mm-hmm. So you graduated high school early. You started touring, and then when were you like, "I need to settle down and go to VCU"? I think I maybe. I don't know if I took the year officially off between high school and that, but it did take me five years to get out of there because I cha- <laughs> changed my major three times. It, it, yeah. I actually went there as a classical guitar major. And me and Charlie, wow. it's eight o'clock in the morning. We're all playing gigs the night before all of us. It was 40 guys and me. I was the only girl. And it was really, it was really hard. Like classical was some of the hardest stuff I've ever played in my life. But yeah. I was like, oh, I just assume go to shows and not get this into it. I just wanted to kind of obviously rock out more, but I ended up doing mass comm for a, a semester too. Yeah. And ended up with a finance degree at the end. And that's sure finance with some classes, uh, with an accounting masters. So, um, so you could keep the books for the band. Well, people know, yeah, books for the band. And like, you know, like we'll get into it a bit about how, how some of us have gone into voiceovers, but a lot of that is billing your clients. Like it's actually something I never thought I would have to use now, but it's good. It's yeah. just good to have in the back of your head. And even back on the air, um, our buddy again, to Cungate got me into doing the 401k stuff there. And just kind of that side of it that you don't think about when you're going, here's ACDC, you know, I mean, right. our comp, our company back in the day actually offered pretty decent benefits yeah. now that I don't yeah. know how it is anymore, but, um, you know, they would match your 401k. They would, we had a pension. Yeah. It was a tiny one, but we we had it. Now I don't think I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I worked at radio stations where I was fortunate we had running water. So, you know, those <laughs> yeah. the, those were the good old days. Um 
I don't want to beat the touring musician thing to death, but it's just, I think it's just a fascinating lifestyle. Eat it to death. It was the best lifestyle ever. I mean, I was in the dirty van with smelly ass guys putting on my, you know, eyeliner, getting ready for the next show. We, I literally, um, VCU at the time I worked there when I was getting my degree, I worked in the business office there and they said, you need to make a choice. Are you going to rock or work? And I was like, rock. And I really did say that. <laughs> See you later. So they had my going away luncheon at the Robin Inn on Robinson. Yeah. And um, the next week we took off on a couple month tour with this nineties band at the time called brother Kane that had like a couple of hits. They had like a song called God, no shame. They had like a couple of things, but I was like, see you later. I had an apartment on main street with a roommate and she stayed there while I would go rock. And it was the most fun time ever. I don't really know how I did it. I mean, it literally was just guys and sweat and rock and zero sleep. And, but the most fun. How long, did, how long ultimately if you add it all up together from you know 16 until you were done with it how long did were you a working touring musician i think um we probably stopped that around at least like the heavy touring part yeah 2010 ish i guess the oh, last so band recently I, yeah the last band i had we're still we still say we're a band because we still write stuff and you know try and get stuff into movies and TV. I mean, we're still like trying to do that part of it. I don't yeah. miss doing what we did before though. I mean, it was, it was fun, but I don't miss like kind of just all the running all over the place. I think, you know, now writing is kind of more, you know, smart ass mm. lyrics is more my. <laughs> my <face>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that the van hotel lifestyle gets pretty old. After yeah, a while. 51. Yeah, it's a, little, age be a it. little different right now. Yeah, sure. I'm like, we can't get Botox, but for so long, they're going to, our jig is up, you know? I mean, we can wear <laughs> kiss makeup, maybe get by with it a little bit longer. My <laughs> knees are eventually going to give out. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So ultimately, like, like when you break, so, and so what, and then what do you do now? Like, what is your, what is your day job now? I'm doing voiceovers. I'm doing it full time. No kidding. Um, is it, the best quality always. No. Is it so like what? Would I have heard you in anything? Yeah, like... a lot of like Walgreens ads, Botox ads, Walmart Hasbro. It's not character voices. It's basically standard announcer things. Um yeah, I had like an agent for a while, but they wanted me when we were in New York, wanted me there every day to physically come in for auditions. And you just don't need to do that now. You can, yeah. anything you can do from here. So I've been doing it on my own for a while, but I've had clients that I've had for over a decade or two, you know, I'm still doing stuff for Fox and Richmond. I mean, no, kidding. you know, yeah. And, and like I told you, invoice them, I keep track of everything. I mean, it's a business, you know? Yeah. So I think with a little bit of editing and stuff that I know how to do, I'm, I'm all right at that, but nothing like you guys. I mean, when you go to somebody like you or man, Steve Forrest, like, because for a while, I had him being the fake husband in these commercials I was doing. I was like, I need a husband. Are you around today? He's like, oh, I'm great. out, I'm out in the kayak. Uh, I'll course. come, you know, record my part in a bit, but he would just make it sound great. I mean, he really knows he has that touch and I just don't have that. I mean, I, I, I have enough to like make a all right living and all right living at it, but not like you guys, you guys are, it just seems like it's effortless for you guys to put, you know, effects and it should sound like this and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it just that seems like it's, engraved in your brain i made uh forrest d blow the dust off of his equipment because he had officially retired by that point so we had to go yeah. into the studio and take the plastic off everything so 
<laughs> I know. Like he had a great room set up at his place too for it. He's he's yeah. got a flawless room where he is, you know. And um, yeah. a lot of the stuff these days, um, they want you to do it from home. And I get, but there's so many people like in New York City and other areas where soundproofing is tough during yeah. COVID. I mean, you got dogs, kids, traffic, horns, I mean, doorbells. Yeah. So it's a little bit um of a challenge, but so if there's a distinct possibility that being out and about and like hearing the radio and stuff today, that it's possible that I heard your voice and not even realized it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Damn, now I have to it, pay more attention to commercials. Doing it every day. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do that, Charlie. <laughs> so all said and done, if you were to break out your professional, what you've done professionally over the years, because I kind of break it out, you know, at right now. I'm 50, 50. I'm like 50% radio, 50% working on computers. Cause I'm going on, I'm a little over a decade fixing computers and I, yeah. did, radio, and I did radio for 15 years. How would, how would you break out your life experience at this point? You know, it's a, maybe a third, a third, a third, and you just kind of spread the touring out over a number of years. I like to think the music part of it is a big part of it. And I think yeah. I could tie the radio part into the music part. Like it's just always been a part of my life. And honestly, like at this age right now, there are things that I like to do on the side. I mean, I really trying to be more relaxed. I love like my cooking. I love still just going to shows and having fun, but for a bit, I guess it's just being over 50 is you're just kind of trying to figure out what you want to, what you want to do next. I mean, I really do yeah. enjoy the writing, um, the voiceover stuff is, is good, but it's just not necessarily always fulfilling because it's not you're creative. not writing it. You're not yeah. exactly. And I it still is, have that side of me going write down a stupid lyric, write down a rap song that your husband and your friends are going to hate. I mean, literally like I'm sending rap songs to some of my friends for their birthdays the past couple of years, Charlie, I'm cracking myself up. It's been one of the funniest things I've been doing. Like just white girl rap, which is terrible. Is it good? No, absolutely not. Yeah. But am I having a good time? Fun. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. but I don't know at the end of the day. I mean, I'm really not sure. I mean, you know, rock and roll at the end of the day, that really has been like just, I've always just had that vibe, I think, about me. That's what I love yeah. music and rock and roll, you know? Yeah. Having a good time. Yeah. What is, what's the working name of the band that you're, that you're with now? Is it, is it a, an organized band situation? Is it just kind of a group of friends that get together and, and make stuff or? No, there's actually been a, the, my partner in crime, her name's Harley. Um, we had a band called Pucker. We still are in it. We never say we've broken up. We're still okay. constantly so like writing one. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Trying to get our songs, you know, here and there we, um, you know, we've had stuff on some TV shows and whatever, and get little checks here and there for it. Um, but we, we always say we keep it going. I mean, I don't think you can ever, if you've been in that situation, just to say that you're going to stop doing it. I don't really know how sometimes people can just say, oh, I'm going to stop being a musician. You might not yeah. do it as much, but it's just all that in stuff you. is always in your brain. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. those creative juices, I guess, you know, um, but we, we knew what our style was. We knew we were stupid chick rock. We knew it. Like we weren't trying to be Led Zeppelin. Like, I mean, we have a song called butt munch. Like it was like, just like, Oh my God. I had rock. forgotten about butt munch. Yeah. It's all coming back. Oh, that is so funny. It's, it's, it's the mad dog conversation all over again. You're unlocking parts of my brain that had been sealed up for so long. Holy shit. I completely forgot about that. Like what, one of the, That's the lines hilarious. is, 
let's go to lunch. I'd like a veggie burger and a fruit punch, but munch. And it was written about this jackass boss that we had at the radio station. It was yes. for him. We're friends now, but he knew like later on, he said, you know, you had a song written about you. It's called butt munch. And he's like, you really wrote that about me? And I was like, yeah, you were a jackass. But <laughs> I told him to his face. I was like, yeah, this was about you, buddy. So. Was that the same? Was that the same boss that I had? I don't know. He's mm. he's in a northeast state right now. He's okay. still a boss. He's All still right. a boss. We'll let it. We'll let it go. <laughs> we get uh, along much better now that he's not my boss. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Right. <laughs> um. So where are you now? We actually just moved to South Carolina. We're in North Myrtle Beach. We've had a place down here forever. And we made the move. Yeah. We were in the little tiny New York City apartment for 19 years. We had that place. Wow. Uh, 19 years during COVID up there, during everything. And I think that sent a lot of people out of there. But that really honestly wasn't the reason that we left. So many people left because of that. But the scene, it's just a different scene up there right now, Charlie. Like we were both up there. I mean, he was rocking out in his bands. Like that's what we were there for. All the rock clubs in the city closed. Yeah. A lot of the stuff is in Brooklyn. There might be two or three bars left in the city that kind of have that vibe that we like about it. Plus like now you just don't need to be there anymore. You just, you don't, you don't need to be anywhere anymore. True. Yeah. You don't. I mean, that's like, you can pick now. where you want to go. Like there's so many people in Vegas and Nashville, like a lot of like the people that we were friends with have just moved to other places. Yeah. Do you need to go up there for some things sometimes? Yeah. Like the last thing I did, um, the week that we were packing up to move, I got to be on that sex in the city reboot. It was the the best, it was the best send off ever. It, It couldn't have been better leaving New York being on that show. And it was the most awesome experience. I had a scene I was like with them around me going, oh my God, you know, and you can't grab them and hug them. I mean, <laughs> you know, but it really, it really couldn't have been a better goodbye week um, up oh, there. And I can, so cool. And we can go back whenever we want to go back. I mean, we can, you know, you can go wherever you want to go now. So that's, that's the cool thing about all this is, is that part of it. But I wanted to ask you something too, because I don't know what you thought about this, but you know, when you and I were both on, there wasn't that whole social media component of any of it. I don't yeah. think it had started really. So we weren't even having to deal with any of that. Like the most that I remember for us was, oh, B103 had a website and your face was on it. Did you have to talk to anybody or interact that way or post a million things? No, no. it was just you had a website. But like how, like now with it, what do you think you would be like then? I feel like you'd be all over it with like posting on Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. For me, I might look like I would do that kind of thing. Maybe just like, I I don't know, but I'm really not into like kind of putting stuff out there like that. I have people like on Facebook going, you never post. I'm like, I'm having a pretty good life just because you're not seeing me (laughs) put my dinner up every day. You know, I I did eat today. I could see you if you were doing, you know, middays at B103 or middays at, you know, like the planet or whatever, or in that position, you would post maybe a a picture to Instagram once a day just to be like, here I am. Yeah. And that would be kind of like, you know, the, yeah. your contractual obligation to be like the the pretty midday lady. Here I am in the studio, listen all day. Um, and then I think the, my last radio job was right at the precipice of all of that stuff starting. It was 2007 to 2010. So like Twitter was just becoming a thing and Instagram was just starting out. And like, you know, we could see the ball rolling and we were trying to like, you know, you know, making the logins and, you know, reserving the usernames and all that crap. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I, I don't try to like live with a lot of regrets in my life, but at the same time, I wish I could take the person that I am now back to that time and put, put my, put my current self in that version, in that me's shoes. Mm-hmm. Cause I know I would handle so many things so differently. Uh, I definitely would have been the guy in the three of us that worked together um, of LB and Dustin and me. I would have totally been the guy. I've been like, get Twitter out of my face um, I don't want to hear about the food that you ate, you know, like, that would, yeah. that would definitely be who, who I was, I, who I would like to be. Now, I would have thought you would have been a little more into it than that. Not with like food postings, but just with the social media thing. But I think now for everybody that's having to do it, it's kind of required of you, no matter what you're doing. A hundred percent. I think like I would, Kev- I think I would get onto Twitter and yell at people and get off. Like, I think oh, that yeah, would be I'd be yelling at, I'd be yelling at everybody. Yeah, that's, that'd be about the extent. Like, you know, this sucks. Leave me alone. You know? Seriously, the new me would be yelling at everybody now. And like, speaking of what you would have changed maybe back then, um, definitely with this whole culture the past couple of years of just like women standing up for themselves. Oh my gosh, there's so many things I wouldn't have put up just like being treated maybe certain ways or what I was getting paid. I don't regret any of that, but I definitely would have been more vocal about this is just not cool, you know. Well, that's I mean, and maybe that's an extension of the question that I asked earlier was, you know, what do you think it is with putting women on in midday and maybe that's just that's where the ladies go. You know, you just put them on in the midday. Do you think you would have made noise if you had been around or, you know, maybe 2022 Sherry would have been like, Hey, I've been here for eight years. Put me on afternoons. I don't know about like the shift necessarily, but I definitely would have like demanded like, you know, probably more money out of it. I think, Mm. I mean, not that money's everything, but I think people were getting like paid so much and for, for a while and not, I'm not saying this was because of me at all. It's not meant to be obnoxious, but the shift I was on had the number one show forever. And people around me were getting paid so much more because they were they were men or, you know, so, and I was there forever. I mean, it wasn't anything that like back then I wouldn't have complained about it. My best friend to this day says, man, in your twenties, you were like, yes, yes, yes. And a doormat. Now you're like capital N O (laughs) 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 not putting up with it. You know? So I think, I think that part of me, even though I was always, I think feisty, I would have definitely, um, said it more to people's faces back then and not Mm. so much in the shower. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's funny because I, I did my perception of you was not definitely not doormat, but it was. But again, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't your boss or like you know dangling checks over your head. But definitely people pleaser. Like I always, you know, I like I could I knew I could count on Sherry. If I needed sarcasm, I could count on Sherry. If I needed somebody <laughs> to say something nice to me, I could count on Sherry. Oh, like, thanks, you know, Charlie. It was like the you know you. You always had the well, thing that the person needed at the moment, you know. Well, we uh, like we really like liked you guys because you, I mean, you guys were like the new cool ones on the block, and you know, people there were people that had been there forever, and you guys came in and you really like stirred it up there. And I mean, I was a little like jealous of the fact that you guys were having so much fun all the time, and I was like pushing again Matchbox Twenty for the hundredth time for the day, and like you know, you guys always seemed like you were having a blast down there. So I was we were like, yeah, I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and that really, and that, 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 so that was, that was the, I, I operating on the assumption that everybody knows what the hell we're talking about. So the B, the B103 studio at Moorfield Park Drive and the Y101 studio um, on Moorfield Park Drive shared a wall. So we were literally hallways next to one another. It was definitely like touring van frat party vibes over there. So I think you <laughs> definitely would have fit in. 
In hindsight, that's another thing that probably thinking about it now, we definitely could have used a female voice because it was like a straight up pickle party over there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So that would have been good. Now, now that's that's added to the list of regrets. We should have brought Sherry Blanks on to Y101. That was a mistake. Right? Now the end, the end there. You guys had a girl, right? Were you still there when they had a female on? Uh, I know Angie. Angie was there Angie, for a bit. Yeah, that was long after I was gone. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Angie was on. I thought they had some other, but it was it was mostly dudes through there. Which you know, I mean, you know how radio is. It's mostly yeah. dudes. Yeah, I know. liked it. I mean, it was fun listening to you guys. You guys had a great, yeah, great no, gig going for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wish I would have, we would have been able to like hang out and talk more back then. Cause basically like when you guys were having concerts, you guys had all the cool concerts. I mean, I would see you there and it was like, Hey, but we both, I mean, it really was like a lot of not like grueling work, but it was a lot of stuff. It was appearances. I mean, it's not just like, Hey, if, how you doing? You if know? I never see the inside of a car dealership again. It'll be too Oh my soon. God. Charlie asphalt on oh. Broad Street in Midlothian every freaking weekend. I'm going, oh my God. It was it was no. it was great money, but it was it was a lot, you know. But yeah, just hear, hearing the inner workings of Victory Nissan, like I'm all I'm all set. <laughs> You're done. You don't I'm need to good. go there again. No, thank ever. you. All set. <laughs> well, the ends like the end of um, I guess like I stayed till I guess like 2008, I think. And I mean, Dan and I have been married for four years. We were like commuting. I was seeing him every other weekend, you know, tracking, flying back in. And, you know, I was like, I just can't, can't do it anymore. I was doing sales. They had me doing sales. Oh no, really? Oh yeah. Like McCall tried to get me out in 2007. And I actually, I did stand up for myself. It was a Friday. I had Tim, Tim Baldwin, uh, try and let me go. And Tim's like, this is killing me. I said, I can tell you're about to puke. <laughs> I said, am I out of here? And I said, well, let me just try and figure it out. I mean, I've been with you guys forever. Don't, yeah. you know, really want to like go yet, you know? And I said, well, what about adding sales onto the the plate? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Monday morning they decided, sure. So that was added on to everything else. And then I did a little bit on K95 country as well tracking three stations tracking pretty much the whole building and selling and then i had to like try and sell the girl that they brought in to replace me on 103 and i was like this isn't happening (laughs) that was like a dagger to the heart that's enough that was like wrestlemania smackdown combo i'm like (laughs) you want me to sell her you want me to sell that bitch forget it i'm out of here that is she was great but i was like this isn't happening so so if if a radio opportunity popped up again, would you do it? I'm actually on an online one right now. It's called Late Favorites, but it's all like it's the pre-track stuff. It's not sure. really any um current kind of thing. Yeah. It's um it's a midday shift. It's uh lightfavorites.com <laughs> <course it> <laughs> and then it's midday sh- I can't get out of that. <laughs> I think um there if it was some kind of maybe thing in that vein where it was like an I don't know necessarily live, but like an online kind of thing like that. Cause I have a girlfriend of mine doing it right now. She's on two stations. She's doing great. She just huh. tracks her stuff every day. So, yeah. you know, what about, I mean, what are your thoughts on all this? Is this your, how you're st- keeping it going is doing this. Cause it's fantastic. I think you could make this into like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's super really cool. fun. I mean, it's definitely a labor of love. I have no intention of trying to make any kind of money out of it. Um, yeah. I did. I described it as fake radio. I did fake radio for one of uh, <laughs> Keith, one of Keith Dakin stations in Keith. Connecticut for, for a few months. 
Um, my buddy, my buddy Keith. Um, yeah, he's 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 not changed. He's just older and grayer. But I, so I, I did that like voice tracking for Connecticut for like six months. And then he was like, we're not doing that anymore. I'm like, fine. Like you can keep it. But you know, my, my, I win the Powerball idea plan is to buy like a small, like, you know, mom and pop, you know, little station up here and, you know, basically just put my friends on. Um, oh, so, I would love you know, that. That'd so be great. If, so if I win the Powerball, I'll be giving you a call to do middays. Okay, good. That sounds good. Me and LB. Perfect. LB would die. Be like, no, Charlie, I thought you liked me. What are you doing? Oh my God. That would be great. Yeah. Cause you're so good at it. And you're, oh, you're, thank you. you're, but I'm proud of you. I wanted to tell you that. So, oh, thank you, know. you. See, Sherry That's, always has the night, the, just the right thing to say. I'm really proud of right you. Moment. My you're younger sweet. little alt rock brother. <laughs> <laughs> God, I really wish you would come over and work with us. That would have been so much fun. I know. Like, I honestly thought Damn we were going to talk. We were going to talk about like you know making out with rock stars and all that. But that's maybe <laughs> another episode. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sherry Blanks part two. <laughs> the time I should have kissed David Lee Roth, but didn't. <laughs> but didn't. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you uh, you've landed somewhere warm and sunny and. Um, that you're doing well. And now I'm going to like actually pay attention to like the Walgreens commercials and see if I can pick out Sherry. Yeah. Medicare part D that's me, man. I'm glad you're well. I'm really happy for the life that you have going on. You seem like really like at, you know, that you're happy for, for you, which is a good <laughs> for you. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> for now you seem okay. <laughs> That was bad. Just cut it off after happy. You seem happy. I am happy, Sherry. Even happier having spoken to you. Thanks to Sherry. And thanks to Dan, who is Sherry's husband, for saving our Zoom session. I was already 10 minutes late. Fortunately, I guess not fortunately, but Sherry was struggling with the audio. So Dan was able to help her out, get my voice in her headphones. And uh, we made it happen. So thank you, Sherry. And thanks, Dan. If you want to see Sherry in, uh, what's the show called? The Sex and the City show is called, and just like that, she says she is in episode seven. Her big scene, unfortunately, got cut out, but you can still see her in the background of episode seven. So go look for Sherry. She looks exactly the same, so you'll, you'll know it's her. Thanks for listening to this episode of Give Me Radio or Give Me Death, my love letter to the Richmond radio I grew up listening to. My name is Chris Paget. I recorded and produced this episode. Dan Engineered, thanks for listening.